Once again, good morning, uh, New Life Church. Good morning, friends that are joining us from uh, every part of the world. Thank you for tuning at this worship. Um, we are glad that you set some time apart. And uh, if, it is, if this happens uh, to be your first time with us, uh, kindly you notice that uh, we are going through the book of Acts. Uh, it is uh, the story of the church in Jerusalem. And for the past weeks, we have been through uh, this book. We have entitled, uh, titled sorry, this uh, series, The Gospel in Motion. In the first five chapters of Acts, Luke, the author of this book, wants Theophilus, who is uh, the, the person to whom he sends these words, and of course us today, to see how the church in Jerusalem was established and the beginnings of opposition and because they were preaching Christ and him crucified and resurrected. And we have established very uh, uh, thoroughly all ha the happenings that uh, occurred in the beginning of the church in Jerusalem. So today, it is a new section in the book of Acts. From chapter 6 to chapter 9, we will see how the missionary work of the church begin to expand in various ways. First, and that will be the story that we will start today, we see that the church is increasing in Jerusalem, spreading among the Greek-speaking Jews. This will lead, will lead to the uh, death or martyrdom of Stephen, and we will see that in the next weeks, but comprises from chapter 6, verse 1, to chapter 8, verse 3. And then we will see that the gospel will spread to Samaria from chapter 8, verses 4 to 24. And thirdly, there will be the conversion of an Ethiopian eunuch. And fourthly, there will be a conversion of Saul, who was to be the most significant Christian missionary to the Gentiles. And if you recall very well, from the beginning of our study in chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus is promising the disciples that they will receive power to be his witness starting in Jerusalem to the ends of the earth. And now we will see this trajectory of the expansion of the gospel. And this is what Luke intended to communicate to us from these words that we will be reading today. The main idea, the main point that Luke wants us to see is that Stephen, who is the first mother of the church in Jerusalem, doesn't or didn't come just by accident. He came in, in and through the ministry of the church in Jerusalem. And with that story, there are other aspects that we want to explore, but pay attention that Luke wants us to see who Stephen is, and this will be important for us for the next uh, chapters. But today, as we explore this chapter or this passage from verses 1 to verse 6, there are some other insights that the Holy Spirit wants us to see in this passage. So read with me uh, Acts of Apostles. Chapter 6, verses 1 to verse 7. That says the word of God. Now, in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. 
Therefore, brothers, speak up out, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, a man full of, the, full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Farmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from, of Antioch. Verse 7. Oh, sorry. These, verse 6, these they set before the apostles and prayed and laid their hands on them. And the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multi multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And the great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Let's ask the Lord to help us at this time. Father, I pray that uh, you will calm my heart and give me your strength, Lord, and fill me with your spirit uh, in order for your children to receive not my words, but your words that is able to change our lives from inside out in order for us to inherit all the promise that you have given us in our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we want to say yes and amen for everything that you have in store for us. And we are not also ignorant, O oh Lord, of the schemes of the enemy. The Bible says, Lord, that the weapons of our warfare, they are spiritual, mighty in God. They are powerful to the pulling down of any stronghold and to the destruction of any word, any doctrine, any knowledge that stands against the knowledge of Christ. Lord, therefore, I pray that any word that come against what you want to communicate to us this morning, remove from us. May our heart be a clean ground, a fertile ground, where the seed of your word will be planted, and in due time, we will see the harvest of your word today. In the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray, believing that you are able to do exceedingly above anything that we can ask or think according to your power that is at work within us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Two days ago, I was with a friend and he was sharing his plan for the future. I believe I can relate with him in a sense that for us men to have a dream house, it's always a big dream. <laughs> we, we always think of having a land and, plant, or, and building a house where we can at least uh, spend uh, our lives or the rest of our lives. But let's suppose that you have this good uh, land and that you'd like to have your house built in it. And you just happen to ask some friend, like, how do I do that? How do I build my house? And some clever friend comes to you and say, look, look, you need to start from the roof. And then you just start working in the roof and a professional just driving by, seeing, comes to you and asks, what are you doing? I'm building my house, you answer. And you say, oh, I'm starting from the roof because, you know, roof is very important. It protects us from the rain, from the sun. I'm starting from the roof. What do you think that professional will say? For sure he will say to him, look, yes, that's true. The roof is important, but you know, there is a process in a building house. And you don't start in that process by the roof, but you start by the foundation. You need to set, after cleaning the land, after taking everything aside, you need to start 
from the foundation. Everything in the process of building a house is important. Even if you have the foundation, but if the walls are not built, you don't have a house. You just have the foundation of the house. Therefore, this professional device, everything in the process is important. But there should be another in the building process of the house. If you want the desired result, which is the house of your dream. So if you want that, you need to set the first things first. And this is the title of my message this morning. First things first. And this is what we see in the passage of today. Because of a problem that came into the church or happened in the church of Jerusalem, the apostles were required to set an order in the church in order for the mission of the church as a whole would not be put in, in a situation in which there will be a danger of failure or accomplishment of their mission. Order is important. The church is an organism, and because it is an organism, it is organized. An organism is always organized. And we, a, an organism is organized in order to accomplish a mission. And the church is such an organism which must be organized to accomplish its mission. And for this to happen, for that organization to be in place, we need to do the first things first, just like in the process of building house, a house. And this is what we as New Life Church, we need to do as well. And my prayer is that as we uh, just dig deeper in this word, we can have elements in our life today as individual, but mainly as a church that will help us as this live organism to be ordered, to be organized in order for us to accomplish our mission, not individually, but together. And as I said, we need to set or to put first things first at this local body in Abu Dhabi if in fact we want to see the results of our missions, which is making disciples for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, from all nations. So the narrative this morning starts in verse 1, and he presents a, a, a problem. Right in the beginning, Luke is presenting a problem. Verse 1 says, Now, in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. If you remember last week, Pastor Garrett at the end uh, focused a little bit in uh, verse 42 in chapter 5. And there the Bible says that every day in the temple and from house to house, the apostles, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. And again, I'm not going back to what he, he taught, but this was in a sequence of the persecution that the Sadducees, that were said, you see, uh, carry out uh, over their lives. And because of that message, the number of the disciples were increasing in number. Like, look now... He's not giving any number anymore. So the multiplication was uh, big. It was very big. And then the Bible here says then that because of these growing numbers, the disciples in Jerusalem, uh, they found a problem. 
in so large a multitude, it was almost impossible to look after the wants of all of them with equal care. And some unintentional oversight must unavoidably occur. And this is what we see. It was not in purpose that those that were neglecting the Hellenist widows, they did what they did. It was not on purpose. But because they were a great number, as we said, some unintentional oversight occurred. So, but there are some elements of this verse that we need to understand for us to be able to discern what is the problem. And this is my first point, the problem identified. And we will identify the problem. Actually, Luke doesn't uh, 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 just guess. And he clearly says that the problem was the complaint of the Hellenists against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. So this complaint carries uh, a, 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 a sense of displeasure which was expressed in murmuring. It was secret talking among the Hellenists with their widows because of what the Hebrews were doing to them. But let's now understand who were these Hellenists and these Hebrews that we see here in verse 1. Hebrews, they were the Jews who spoke Aramaic, Aram, Aramaic like Jesus Christ. But also, they knew some Greek. It can be safely assumed that nearly every Jew on that time knew at least a little of Greek since it was the lingua franca of those days, just like English is in our days. Why this happened? Because remember that before the Roman Empire came and conquered the Palestines, Israel, they were conquered by the Alexander, Alexander the Great uh, and because of that, they were speaking, or oh, Greek became the common language in those days. It happened then that some of the Jews, by contrast, which they are called now Hellenists, they were Jews that spoke Greek and knew a little or no Aramaic. The Hellenists were Jews of foreign birth and Greek education, meaning they were Israelites, they were Jews, but they have traveled to another town, another city, even to Greece, Rome, and over there, they constitute family, but they kept their tradition as Jews. But because of that, because they were included in that society, the Greek society, they start doing everything, not in Aramaic, but in Greek. That's where the Septuagint, which is the Old Testament translation from Hebrew to Greek, came. Because uh, the community of Jews was growing and they needed uh, to, to, to worship God according to, the Jew, the, according to Judaism, but they couldn't not speak Aramaic or Hebrew very well. That's why 70 or 72 uh, priests, they translated the Old Testament to Greek in order for them to be able to worship God. And because of that, they are now all together in Jerusalem. Remember what happened in chapter 1. They came all because one of the elements of Judaism is the temple. And everyone came in the day of Pentecost where the church, was, the, the church in Jerusalem was birthed. And these people remained there after Pentecost on account of their, or on their, of their interest 
in Christianity. They were the more likely to be neglected because of less familiarity known to the apostles or even their assistant. So this was the problem. But this problem had another facet. It is a problem with many different aspects attached to it. We see here that the main one is ethnic problem, okay? Because the Jews that, were, that stayed in Jerusalem, they kind of saw the other Jews that come from the diaspora not as original. They would say, look, we are the one that speak the language of our God, of our forefathers. You can never speak, you can even speak our own language. And even the Greek also would say to them, man, you are always in these past things. Why don't you update yourself and start doing things in Greek? That's only a, like a, a, an idea that I'm giving to you for you to think the problem, the ethnic problem that was there. But this was, was also an administrative problem because we see there that the Bible says that these widows of the Hellenists, they were what neglected in the daily distribution. We saw in the past chapters that everyone in Jerusalem would come with their goods, giving them to the apostles, and the apostles, from that, they will distribute for others, believers, according to their needs. But here we see that the system was not working and from that point, it creates that problem. We see also that it might be a communication problem as well. It is something underneath, but we see that instead of murmuring, they could address directly the apostles and people that were taking care of the distribution, but they didn't. What's the reason? We don't know. They chose to murmur and to complain in secret about what was going on. And also we see, as we will see also in verse 2, that this caused a distraction to the apostles. They would be distracted from the main purpose by which God has sent them, which was to teach and preach and proclaim the good news of the gospel. And from that point, everything else in the life of the church will flow. The disciples responded to this problem that arose by recognizing that the combined task of teaching, preaching, and serving the table was not or was too great for them. In fact, they were able to fulfill, they were able to fulfill nay the part of it properly, meaning they were not able even to teach properly, neither to serve the tables properly. So the care of the poor was at stake, and the preaching of the gospel also was at jeopardy. And then they decided to do something. And this is what we see from verses six to, of verses 2 to 6. And this leads me to my second point, the pleasing solution. What was the solution from the apostles? Let's read. And the 12, talking about the apostles, summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of word. And what they said pleased the whole gathering. And they chose Stephen, the seven names over there, verse 6, and they speaking about the, God, uh, the, the, the disciples, said before the apostles, 
and they prayed, the apostles prayed, and laid their hands on the seven, on them, the seven. So, a couple of important notes from this verse. First of all, it is not necessarily suggesting that serving the tables is lower level than prayer and teaching. When the disciples are saying, it is not right for us to be serving the table, they are not at all saying, this is a lower category of ministry that I, Apostle Peter, I, Apostle John, cannot do. This is not what the Bible is saying. And actually, for you to be able to see this, in the original, there is a word ministry, which means to serve as well. If you replace that serving the table as the ministry of help, the ministry of uh, uh, attending the needs of people in the congregation. For sure, the disciples are not saying that this is a lower category of ministry. The point is rather that the task on which the twelve had been specially called was one of preaching and teaching. So here, the problem is a, the problem of a role, a problem of the job description, if I can put like this, that God has given us or has given the church at that time. The apostles were given the responsibility of what? Teach, preach, and pray. That's why they wanted to uh, save or to secure the responsibility that Christ gave to them. How many times from chapter 1 to chapter 5 you see the, apostle, the apostles preaching and Luke summarizing their ministry into temple and from home to home doing what? teaching and preaching the gospel. So second aspect, it was not the apostle that we need to notice in these verses. It was not the apostle that had chosen the seven men. The congregation did, and the congregation presented them in a meeting to the apostles. And I, I believe you took note also that the characteristic of the apostles, of the seven men that the congregation chose were given by the apostles and the congregation among them from the leadership of the apostles they knew their people and then they saw that the characteristics that the apostles have put up for them to choose these seven men they saw it in the seven men that we just read From verses 5 to verses 6, we see that the proposal that the apostle did was completely in their approval of the congregation. And the choice of the candidate was made by the members of the church in uh, the congregation in that meeting. So what we see here, what we learn from here, is something incredible. We see that these seven names, if we read all of them, we will see that they were Greek, meaning they were Hellenists. The apostles, they were all Jews that were in Palestine. And from who the problem came? From whom they heard the problem? From the Hellenists. And this is what a commentator said about these uh, choice of uh, the church in Jerusalem. He says like this, it was, it was as if the Hebrews had said to the Hellenists, we have not selfish ends to accomplish, not any jealousy towards you who complain. Therefore, we give the whole business of serving the tables in your hands. And we will firstly trust our poor widows, Hebrews poor widows, to your care. So generous and trust could not be betrayed except by the evil of the evil men. 
brothers and sisters, there is no perfect local church. We see that even in the church of Jerusalem, where the Holy Spirit was really manifesting his power, controlling the affairs of the church, men or believers in that, in that church, they are still men under the refining grace of God, in need of the grace of God for them to change. Their hearts, according to Calvin, were not fully regenerated. There are areas in their lives that they still need to work out. And one of the areas is very clear here, murmuring. Brothers and sisters, again I repeat, there is no perfect local church. Not here in Abu Dhabi, not in any part of this world. And some people, they just joke about this when they say, if you find one perfect church, please don't go there. Because from the moment you, you will be there, that church will become imperfect. Simply because you and I, we are still being perfected. It's not a matter of perfection. It's a matter of direction. But what in joke people say, I believe it is true. The point is not if we will have problems. In fact, we will have problems. But how we resolve this problem is the question. And it is the important thing that we need to see here. How can we apply this to our lives today? First of all, we see that there are good things in the church of uh, Jerusalem happening. First of all, they are growing. And we as New Life Church, we desire to grow as well. But you need to see that one point of the gospel is the ministry of reconciliation. Jesus Christ has come not to save us individually only, but he saved us individually and he baptized us in his body, the church. We are not saved to walk as an individual. And that's why the picture that we see of the church in the, in, in the book of Revelation is people from all the nations. So brothers and sisters, in Christ we are one. The Bible says in Galatians 3, 27 and 28, that in him there is no Jew, there is no Greek, there is no slave, there is no free. There is no master, there is no slave, there is no male, there is no female. Because what? We are all one in our Lord Jesus Christ. And in here, Paul is not saying that the roles has been put aside. The roles are there and they must be accomplished. But when we come in Christ, we are all one. We were all united in one body, according to 1 Corinthians 12 from verses 12 to 13. We are different, and we need to celebrate and to affirm our differences. Our differences. Be it a cultural difference, or even a social difference, or even a gener generational difference. Because in the church, we have older people and younger people. We have whites, and we have black people. We have poor and we have rich. We have uh, managers and employees in the same church. We need to affirm and we need to celebrate differences. Do you see one of the point of application in this passage that we need to be careful is that because of our differences, unaware, sometimes we start forming smaller groups in the church, even unaware of that, simply because that brother is from Angola, I am from Angola, then we can get together because we have the same culture. But brothers and sisters, let me tell you something important. 
we must always remember that the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel, his blood that unifies us in him is above our culture, is above anything else that can separate us. And we as a church, we must strive to that unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Why am I bringing this? Very soon we are, try, we are starting home groups. Brothers and sisters and leaders of the home groups, we need to be aware of that. We need to be with our ears, our eyes open, and not neglect anyone that comes to our home group. Don't create only, like, I just deal with this brother, I don't deal with that sister, even if they are difficult people. We must strive to unity. What's happening here, and the, uh, without wanting it, there were a separation between the Hellenists and the Hebrews because of their culture. And even between generations, we need to be aware of that as well. And not all the people separate totally themselves from the younger people. Why? Because the younger people will learn from the older people. You need even to invite younger people to your home. Don't just let them stay with your kids. Participate in their lives. Don't be unaware of that. You need to invest in their lives. And this is biblical. Titus teaches us that. Oh, another thing that we can apply in this, in, this, in this story, in this chapter, is that there were also a sense of a good communication at the end of the process. Why? Because the apostles, they heard what the congregation, the Hellenists in the congregation brought to them. And the congregation heard the apostles when they put on the solution. And we see this synergy happening in the church. Brothers and sisters, we need to be intentionally also with our ears uh, ready to listen to one another. When your brother, your sister is saying something to you, please be intentionally listening to, to her or to him. Don't just discard the words of your brother or your sister. Even when he comes with the burning in their heart that you think that it is not right. Listen to their voice of their soul and of uh, their mind. We need to set thing, first thing first. And that's another thing that the apostles are teaching us here. They decided then to organize the church in order for their calling not to be in danger. What they did, the Bible says that they brought people along them to help them in the ministry of the church. And here again, we want to emphasize that the responsibility of the elders is very clear here. They have the responsibility of teaching, preaching, and praying for the congregation. Samuel said in 1 Samuel 12, 23, that it is sin if I don't pray for Israel. Brothers and sisters, it is sin when the elders doesn't pray or don't pray for the congregation. And this is a call for us elders, for us to be equipped, for us to bring other men into our lives, to help them to get that responsibility with us. There is an example that Paul gives in Colossians 4.12 about a man called Epaphras. He says over there that Epaphras doesn't stop wrestling with you in prayer. Prayer is a way that a pastor takes his staff to protect his sheep from the wolves. And teaching is also an instrument in God's hand for pastors to prepare the church for the false 
prophets or for them to identify the false gospel and the false prophet. So these two things go uh, end to end. We cannot elevate one above other because the Bible doesn't do that. We can have in our church people that are more into the word of God. But we can have also, and we need to have people that are more into prayer. As we bring them together, we have the balance, the proper balance that the word of God is giving us. Brothers and sisters, please pray for the elders of the church. That God will give us this character that is important, not only for them, but for us as a congregation. We need to be a church that is given to the word of God. You see, brothers and sisters, when you see uh, us standing here preaching, it's not because we are a specialist, and I know that you know that, but we need to affirm that again. God has called us in his grace, and he has given us this responsibility and when we do that, we do that with all our heart and sacrifice in order to direct the church into God's word for the church to know what to do in every area of their lives. Preaching is important and is the main, uh, the, the important or the, the priority in the life of church. Let me say, not because the other ministries are not important. But preaching is like the foundation of the house. Everything else will flow from there. So then, we need to be contempt when we sit under God's word. Deuteronomy 4.10, God invites his people to sit under his word. And from the people of God in the Old Testament to the people of God in the New Testament, these have not changed. And there are many, many places in the scripture that we can see this very clearly. Just see how often preaching is in the book of Acts. Many can talk, but not many can preach. Many can be a good coach in their uh, work, but faithfully, faithful preaching of the scripture is a hard work. That's why the disciples understood that. They cannot just sit for 30 minutes quickly. No, to prepare a message is a hard work. But one of the verses in the Bible that really brought into my heart how preaching is important is Luke 24, 25 to 27. This is the account of uh, Jesus in the way of Emmaus with his disciples. There is not many time for us to go at the background, but know, know that it was the day that Jesus Christ has resurrected. Verse 27 the Bible there says, and beginning with the Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning to himself. Jesus Christ resurrected. He took God's word from Moses to the prophets, to the writings, and he was explaining from God's word what God's word taught about himself. If Jesus chooses to reveal himself in and through his word, who are we to say that we need other source for us to know him? That word interpreted in NIV, the Bible says, is explained, explained is translated by explained, also in the New American Standard Bible and New Living Translation. In King James, that word interpreted is translated expanded. That's why, brothers and sisters, here in New Life Church, we choose uh, to do the expositional, ex, expositional preaching. 
where we are governed by the context of the passage we are reading in order to help you understand what God is trying to communicate to us. Please pray for the ministry of the word. As we preach, it's first for us and also to yourself. And the church needed to be organized, and we will finish there. This leads me to my last point, which is the desired results. Verse 7. The Bible says over there in verse 7, that in the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests become obedient to the faith. Brothers and sisters, as the apostles invited people to help them in the governing of the church, with that organization that was brought, with people that are full of the Holy Spirit, with wisdom to serve the tables, to care for the people in the church, they were able to concentrate in the main core of their calling, which was the preaching of the gospel. In New Life Church, we need to say thank you for those people behind the scenes. I'll never forget uh, John, who is the mind behind the, uh, this online broadcast. He said one day, uh, or the first day that he said, Pedro, everything that we do, it's to enable the word of God to be communicated to the world. But without, these, or without him and without his input, this will not be possible. You will not, maybe, you will not be able to listen to this message. Is the ministry of the word more important of the technology? This is not what we are saying. We are saying that every ministry is important to the body. And when we come together to work in the area that God has called us, we make the gospel to grow. We make the word to increase. There are many people behind the scenes that you are not aware in the life of New Life Church. These beautiful uh, uh, graphics that you see still takes time to do that. The finances, Greg does that with the help of Sister Irma, uh, Chris, Robbie. What about the welcome team? There are many people behind the scenes that makes the life of the church uh, to grow and to go ahead. But we need more people. Here we see the benevolence ministry working in the church of, uh, of Jerusalem. We also have a benevolence ministry, but there is no one available to lead. We need people in children ministry to help the children ministry. New Life Church, we need you. We need you. Come and join us. In, the, in this organization, in this organism, and help us to organize in order for us to promote the growth of the church by the multiplication of the disciples. See that this note is important, and I'm going to finish the verse 7. Two things happened. The result, what was there? The word of God continued to increase, and second, the number of the disciples multiplied greatly. But why? Simply because of the organization that the church with the leadership of the apostles they received. But see what the last sentence says. And the great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Luke is trying to say, look, these priests, they are Jews, okay? The core people that defended the Judaism like with all their teeth. But because of the organization that the church brought into place, and because the apostles, they were able to teach this priest the God, God's word, 
the Bible says that they, were, they became obedient to the faith. Brothers and sisters, when we come together as the body of Christ, when we don't see each other any longer in according to the flesh, oh, these brothers from Angola, I don't like the Angolans, therefore I cannot talk to Pedro. I cannot talk to Pedro because you have that bias already from Angolans. Oh, you don't like a food that my sister, my brother likes, and you are biased. I cannot relate with that. See, simple things, meaningless things, make us to separate, but we need to come together, remembering that the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that unites us is greater than anything in this world that can separate us. Let's come together. The appointment of the seven here, and with some highlighting to Stephen over the business of the daily ministration to the poor was intended to supply an existing deficiency in the organization of the church. The more efficient organization gave greater efficiency to the labors of everyone in the church. Help us to organize more and more New Life Church by you coming and helping us in the ministries that we have. I would like to talk more about that, but please remember that the gospel unites us above anything else that can separate us. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for your word. We know that in the day that you will come, all these things that we cannot understand now and that we struggle to really commit and be united with our brothers and sisters, Lord, will go away because in the light of your glory, all these things that we are preoccupied and fighting with in this world, social status, um, racial things, ethnic division, they will fade. They will be consumed by your glory. But we have the opportunity to test that in our church, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you will help us as New Life Church for us to be able really to live this out in our congregation. And even others that are listening to this word, Lord, that you enable our, your church, Lord, for us to grow in maturity and holiness towards you. And as we do that, we can be united to my brother, my sister, to one another, keeping the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. This is our banner right now, and we see this clearly in the book of Acts. Help us, Lord, for your name's sake and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.